We'd like to get started today, but before I get into the message, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for every person who is watching today. I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for the plans that you have for their lives, the people you intend for them to reach and to influence, uh, the people who you desire them um, to reach with your love. Lord, I just pray that you would be with each and every one of them. I ask that you would give them wisdom as they go about uh, their affairs, their family, family activities and their business things and school, whatever it is that they are dealing with. Lord, we just pray that you'd give them wisdom. I thank you for each and every person who will be here today. I pray that this message will be blessed, that it'll be your words that are spoken, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, on Sunday, I spoke a bit about the centurion in the Bible. And the centurion, I think, is a pretty impressive individual because Jesus was impressed by him. Jesus said, I have not seen uh, such faith anywhere in Israel. And God himself, if God himself was impressed by him, that's, that's saying something. And on Sunday, we talked a bit about his perspective as it relates to optimism. He had supernatural optimism. He didn't just uh, look at the situation as half full or half empty, but he looked at the situation as not final. Whether it was empty or halfway empty, uh, he knew God could make a difference. God could change what was going on. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, go ahead and look for the Sunday evening service on uh, Facebook or YouTube. But I want to continue talking about the centurion today. If he impressed Jesus, then he um, is worth our attention. And uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, right before praise and worship, today we're going to be talking about leadership. Now, I don't want anybody to hear that word and think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. John Maxwell is famous for saying that leadership is influence. Oftentimes we think leadership is position. We think leadership is a title. Uh, we think that we aren't a leader unless a leader has assigned certain people to our leadership. But that isn't true. Uh, leadership is influence. And each and every one of us have been called by God to be disciples in the world, to make a difference, to have influence. And whether you're using that to spread the gospel or whether you're using that uh, to manage your family, uh, whether you're using that just to get along well at work, uh, you are a leader. And so as we talk about uh, lessons we can learn from the centurion about leadership, I want you to intentionally recognize that these are lessons you can apply. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 7, verse 1, and read the story. This is what it says. It says, When Jesus had finished saying all of this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent to the house found the servant well. So here we have the story of the centurion, and we're going to look at some of the different things that we see about him that made him uh, a good leader, impressive, both to the people that knew him as well as to Jesus himself. The first thing we notice is that it says he sent a servant who he highly valued. As leaders, if we desire to influence people, we need to value them. Uh, some people have said, no one cares what you know unless they know that you care. And when we, as leaders, and again, you can substitute leadership for influence. We, as people who are influencing others, need to recognize the power that comes when we have a genuine uh, love for those people that are around us. When God said that we as Christians were to go out and love the world, when he said that we as Christians should be known by our love, what is another thing he was saying? He was saying we as Christians would influence others. You see, when we recognize that someone genuinely cares about the, us, we automatically give that person influence in our lives. Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 22 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may all be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved, lost my spot, proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. It's interesting to think of Timothy. Uh, Timothy in the Bible is a superhero. He is, he is the pastor of one of the largest churches in the, the, the New Testament. And we see right now he's being described before he took that role. And what made him stand out? What caused him to later be the person God chose to lead the largest church of that time? We see it right here. He had a genuine interest in the welfare of others. He genuinely cared. Other people were concerned for themselves, Timothy, on the other hand, was concerned for what was God, what was important to God. When we value what God values, God will raise us up. I can think of story after story in the Bible where we see that true. When people put God first, Nehemiah put what God wanted first and suddenly God put him in charge of the people. David uh, cared about the well-being of Israel and the Israelites, and God promoted him as a result. We should ask ourselves, am I building up people 
or am I building up my dream and using people to do it? Uh, the answer, hopefully, is that I am building up others. I've mentioned John Waxwell uh, before, but he is, he is a famous teacher on the topic of leadership. Another thing he's famous for is when people meet him, he says to them, what can I do for you? Why does he say that? Why does he do that? Because he understands that influence involves caring for others. And his influence has grown, not because he put himself first, but because he is putting other people first. This is the same thing that Timothy did in the Bible. How much people under me mean to me is evidence of of my leadership ability. And one telltale uh, sign of your leadership or your influence ability is how you treat others when they have a problem that doesn't affect you. You know, if you are working at, at your job and somebody has, um, you know, gets sick and they can't show up to work, well, that affects you. But what about when they have issues that don't affect you? What about the issues that affect their spouse, their kids? They still show up. They still work. Your leadership, your, your level of leadership will be evident in how you treat people, how you value people, uh, and what's going on in their life, even when it doesn't affect you. Luke Chapter 9, verse 52 through 55 says, And he sent messengers on ahead who went to the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. So when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. The disciples, <laughs> they weren't perfect. And here we have this example of they're on their way to go somewhere. The people are not being helpful. And the first thing that the disciples say is, well, they're not helping us in our mission. Do you want us to call down fire on them? And Jesus has to, to teach them a lesson about being a good Christian and about being a good leader. And he says, no, just because it doesn't affect us doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. People are not disposable. People matter. And it is an important part of, of being a leader is caring for people. The, the centurion highly valued those that he sent. Act, step number two is that the centurion was a man of action. Waiting and seeing, let's ride this out, maybe it'll get better. Those can occasionally be a wise choice. But as a default or as a prominent game plan, they're not a recipe for success. If we look in scripture, we see God used many, many different people. In fact, there are many times when we look at the situation and realize, really, God moved. It was God. I mean, think about Jericho. 
God knocked the walls down. That was God. But he still gave Joshua something to do. When God parted the Red Sea, he still gave Ab or, uh, Moses, excuse me, he gave Moses something to do, extending his, his staff. When God delivered the Israelites through Gideon, and Gideon thought, hey, I'm going to, he raised up an army, had 33,000 people, and God said, nope, just, just go in there, Keep, kept cutting it down, ended up sending him in with 300 people. God saved him, but he still made Gideon take steps. Jehoshaphat, that God caused the enemy to fight amongst themselves, but he still gave Jehoshaphat steps to take. Jehoshaphat still marched out to battle. He put, he, true, he put his choir in the front, trusting that God was going to take care of the situation but he still stepped out. We are to be people of action. We're not to wait, sit on our hands, and see what happens, but to step forward, say, God, I know you're going to move, but tell me, what can I do to usher in your move? What can I do to help move forward in your plans? How can I care about what you care about when we speak to God? Another interesting thing about uh, the centurion is it says that he loved his nation. He loved his nation. Now, that might seem a little uh, surprising as a characteristic for leadership, but Nation doesn't necessarily mean country. Doesn't mean he was wandering around with a flag. Nation also means people. And he loved his people. Um, I hope that you love your nation. But oh, overarchingly, what I want you to understand is that it is important that you love your people. And not your people and not their, those people. I'm not talking about uh, prejudice or grouping off, but I'm saying that this man cared deeply about the people, his neighborhood, his city, his country. Our attitude towards the people in our own community is a significant uh, ingredient in our success. On the mission field, it's extremely evident how we need to love people, not just the country, but the people in it. If we allow bitterness against a group or against a nation into our lives, it will affect our ability to love those people. And as a result, it will affect our ability to show them God's love. And when they sense that we do not, as the saying goes, there's no love loss between us, that when they understand they're not loved by you, that diminishes your influence. How many of you have ever, can, can think of a time when someone in charge of you gave you something to do and you realized, they just don't care about me. They don't care how much this inconveniences me. They don't care, you know, just 
How does that make you feel? How does that, does that inspire you to follow that leader? Depending on the situation, maybe you didn't do it or maybe you said, you know, I still need the job, so I'm gonna do it, but man. Philippians 2.20, I read it earlier. Um, talking about Timothy says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. What a testament that Timothy genuinely cared. As leaders, as influencers, we need to ask God to give us his heart for the people that we desire to be an influence with. Number four, the centurion used his authority to help others. He had a servant's heart. The Jews, remember the centurion is a Roman centurion. That means he is, I need you to understand this. It says that he sent Jewish leaders on behalf of the Roman centurion. The, the Romans were the occupying military force. The Jews were the oppressed. If we look in history, history is filled with, with contentions between the oppressing Romans and the oppressed Jews. I've been to the, the site of, of Masada where the Jews hid out and the Roman armies came and surrounded them. But not so with the centurion. He was assigned to lead a group of oppressed Jews. But what did they say of him? When they spoke to Jesus, they said, this man deserves that you do this for him. They were there doing his bidding. He, he asked them to go. But they were also there of their own volition because they recognized and understood this man cares about us. He built our synagogue. The centurion, as far as we know, wasn't Jewish. But he saw the needs and desires of the people that he was leading. And he worked for them. He had a servant's heart. Matthew 23.11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus has always defined leadership differently than the world. The world seeks to be served. God says we should seek to serve. George Bush, former president, said there is only one purpose for power, that is to serve the people. I want to encourage you that when we love other people, when we serve other people, we are benefiting as well. We are growing both in influence, but also we, the Bible says, that we are doing his bidding. He says that when we serve even the least of these, Jesus looks down and says, you did that to me. As leaders, as influencers, as members of our schools, our workplaces, 
our families, our neighborhoods? Are we dodging everything that can be done? I have so many examples of what it's like to live in a home, uh, which is a microcosm of a community. We have six kids, so there's eight of us living in this house. And one of the things that my wife and I are trying so hard to instill in our kids is that servant's heart, that desire, that recognition that when something needs done, I don't have to be forced to do it, but I want to do it for the benefit, not just of myself, but of others. And sometimes, I have to admit, sometimes our kids pass that test. Sometimes, they, the lengths that they go to, to avoid serving, are astonishing. And I think about how frustrated I get as a parent when I look at the, the, the lengths they went to, to to avoid being helpful, how they filled the trash to overflowing and, and crammed it down and got the lid to close and then walked away and didn't empty the trash. But I look and say, is that me? Is that me in my workplace? Am I trying to find ways to, to minimize uh, my own responsibility? Well, I'm not going to speak up because maybe they'll ask me to do it. I'm not going to give that good idea or mention how helpful this or that could be because I don't want to be asked to participate. Having a servant's heart, God says that when we serve others, we ourselves uh, grow and become great. Number five, he was the leader, the centurion. And as I mentioned before, he sent the elders of the Jews, it says, but then it also says that he sent friends. It's interesting that in spite of being the boss, that centurion had cultivated intimate friendships. He had a life. He had friends. It wasn't just subordinates that he was pushing around. Many leaders, there's a quote from, from Frank DiMazio. He says, many leaders on their personal levels do, levels do not master the process of loving, being hurt, forgiving, being healed and restored making oneself vulnerable again in their own relationships. The centurion had both people who were his servants and people who were his friends doing the same thing. His influence went beyond his position. And that's true leadership. When you do something because you know what? I work here. They made that person manager, so if he says this, I have to do it. That's the lowest level of leadership when you're doing something based solely on position. But when you recognize, you know what? That, my boss, 
he, he bends over backwards to give me the hours that I need to be able to, to attend church, to be with my family, to do the things that I, I need to do. So if he has something that he needs and I can be a blessing to him, I'm going to go above and beyond to do that. I hope that you have had the opportunity to uh, work with somebody like that. Number six, he was humble. Uh, he said, you know, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come. Just, I just sent someone to say, say the word and he'll be healed. He didn't think too highly of himself. Matthew eleven twenty nine verse 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's Jesus talking. He says that he is humble. He teaches us from a place of humility. When we lead others from a place of humility, that is when we are most, most impactful and have the most influence. Number seven, he described himself, the centurion described himself as being under authority. Luke 16, 12 says, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? The centurion had been faithful with the authority to the authorities that, that were over him. And he says to God, he, to Jesus, he says, hey, I have people I am under authority to, and I recognize that I do what they ask of me. And I have people under me who are submitted to me. I submit to, to others, these submit to me. And then the centurion recognized in the way that Jesus operated that the evil spirits, that sickness, were subject to him, submitted to him. I believe that was one of the things that most impressed Jesus, was that the centurion, instead of looking at the miracles that Jesus did as some sort of hocus-pocus magic, the centurion recognized Jesus was operating in authority. Jesus was in authority over sickness, disease, death, and the devil. And so the centurion understood, well, if he has that authority, then I don't, it doesn't matter where he is when he exerts that authority. He has that authority. And that impressed Jesus. The reason that the, the centurion was able to recognize that was because he was walking in it. He saw in Jesus what he was living out. He was under submitted to authority. He had others who were submitted to him, and he saw and recognized that. We, as influencers, as leaders, we need to be submitted to those who are in authority over us. Number eight, he was a man of faith. Jesus described him as, as being a man of great faith. Such faith, such great faith that Jesus had not seen anyone else like it in all of Israel. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is important to be a man of faith. What does that look like? Jesus says that without faith, you don't please God. And then when he says <laughs> the because, says without faith is impossible to please God because. Because what? Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God breaks down faith and says, faith is the confidence in God that he will reward those who diligently seek him. And he says, you cannot please God without having confidence that God is and wants to reward you. Think of how powerful that is. The centurion pleased God exceedingly, impressed Jesus personally by acknowledging and recognizing who Jesus was and what Jesus wanted to do. I want to encourage you. Take a look at your situation. What does God want to do in your workplace? Take a look at your family. What does God want to do in your family? Take a look in your neighborhood. What does God want to do in your neighborhood? Then seek to do it. Seek to have that done. Be the vessel through which God does those things. If you're comfortable with it, Put it in the comments. What does God want to do in your, your workplace or your family or in your neighborhood? What does he want to see? And then say, God, I believe that you will use me to accomplish your will. One of the greatest things that we can achieve through salvation, or excuse me, through faith, is salvation. Romans 10, chapter or chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Oh, excuse me, that's Romans. Um, it says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. I just want to encourage you that God wants to make you right with him. He wants to forgive your sins. When it says you'll be saved, it's talking about being saved from the sin that separates you from God. If you don't know that your sins are forgiven, I want to encourage you that you can know today. The Bible says know that you have salvation. We don't have to wait until we die to find out. We can know right now. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me. And if you do that, if you sincerely pray, you according to scripture, will be forgiven of your sin and you'll be saved and on your way to heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and I believe that he rose from the dead. I accept the forgiveness that you offer me and I thank you 
for it. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.